I wasn't sure I'd ever uh, step out and do my own thing. It took this place to do it. And it is Virginia Tech. This isn't some rinky-dink-ass program. I don't know if I could follow that one up. I'm yelling into the void, and that's what I like doing. <laughs> Pete, nobody's looking at your tweets. We're going to recruit our footprint, and we're going to work our tails off to bring those Virginia kids to Blacksburg. Those situations are the worst when you are on top yeah. of another guy. The relationships are very important to me. That's what this place is built on. That's your boy. That's your judge of character. I'm going to end up in a Columbia prison. At 95 Miami, is, is my fondest name. And maybe the experience after the Sugar Bowl with Wes Worsham and J.C. Price on Bourbon Street. <laughs> Come on, J.C. I want to know what you're drinking, Robbie. It is roasty goodness, even though I was out. What's the percent on that? 11. It was a dream come true back then, and it's a dream come true today. Hey, Mom, why don't you try a rail? We're going to put this old guy in a grave. For the love of the game. And I mow the lawn after work before the podcast. Mm, we just got better, guys. Welcome to Too Deep, Hokies Under the Influence, brought to you by McCoy's Auto Repair. That's right, we have a new sponsor on Too Deep. McCoy's Auto Repair in Radford is our new partner, and we're pumped about it. I talked about it on College Football Monday. It's going to be sponsoring that show and this show. So Robbie's going to get a little of that sweet, sweet McCoy action in this episode. We'll do our ad read later, but thank you, McCoy's, for being our partner this season. Virginia Tech beat Pitt 38-21. to Rob, we got a win. How you feeling, man? I feel great. That game was a, a totally different team than we have seen all season, and I I loved every minute of it. It was awesome. It was awesome. Why don't you give us a cheers? Get us kicked off. Uh, cheers! I I have in my if you're watching us on YouTube, I'm a supporter of a one and college team, uh, as you can see in my tagline. Oh, that's with an asterisk. It's only over the last seven days, but I'll take it. We're one and zero. That's a big win. Um, we dislike Pitt greatly, you and I in particular. I'll always make that known over the last nine years. Uh, and to get that win in the fashion that we get uh, got it in a dominant fashion, we'll get into that, whether it was the defense or some of the offense. I think it was um, it was nice. And I was there for it. I was there for at least the first half, I should say. Uh, our daughter was getting a little tired. So cheers to the team. Cheers. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see this, this beautiful dark beer that I'm drinking. Tonight is our annual pumpkin beer episode. I'm going to be having a couple different types of pumpkin beer tonight and just talking about the genre a little bit later. I think Rob's sipping on something fall-like as well, so that's all good. How was the game, man? How was the atmosphere? It looked great on television. It was phenomenal. We got there very early because we went and we did... um you know, the hokey kind of outdoor family fest that they have going on there. We brought our daughter over there, which was uh, phenomenal. I don't know if uh, if you haven't been or you have kids or anything like that, even if you don't, they had like live music playing. It's it's great. They had the tennis team out there. So my daughter got to play like this little kind of mock tennis with like um, some of the women from the tennis team. Uh, all the cheerleaders were out there. It, uh, they had the Hokie Bird walking around, more activities than and a bunch of food trucks. It was awesome. Then uh, I never there for this part, and I got to see the Hokie Walk with all of the players coming into the stadium. Uh, that was a lot of fun. I've never done that before. I used to always be at the bar, you know, drinking or doing something, you know, always or a tailgate or 
never over there for that. So that was awesome. In the game, it was my wife asked me because it was a sellout, but you never know what's really a sellout or what's just, you know, a quote sellout. And she asked me if the stadium would be filled. And I said, it's a night game, so I think it'll be pretty close. The whole stadium was full uh, from wow. my eye, the, the whole thing, uh, all the way around. Uh, so the atmosphere was incredible. I had a blast. It looked it looked really good on television, as I said, and it seemed loud, super loud. And so our fans just they impressed me so much. One in three going into that game. Bad season last year. It's been talked about a lot. And I know Billy kind of he makes fun of Coach Pry for always thanking the fans first thing in every press conference um, in his in his draw or cadence that he has. But it's so true. And our fans just continue to show up. We just love the Hokies so freaking much. And despite the belly aching that you hear from us sometimes, from other people on Twitter, whatever, that is such a small minority. And even the people that do complain, go to the games. Like, because so many people are still showing up and still showing love to the Hokies. And it's awesome. A one in three team coming off of three really bad losses. I mean, mm-hmm. that that is not great. A stretch of Rutgers, Purdue, and then Marshall. Um, it, and for the whole stadium to be filled, that's incredible. Yeah. Uh, that, 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 that sings back to the days where we had the sellout streak and stuff like that. I was, I was pretty blown away. I did not expect it to be full. I was hoping it would be, but I wasn't expecting it. To be. I also didn't expect the whiteout to look as good as it did. Cause we haven't really done the whiteout at night ever before. Not that I can recall. And that's mm-hmm. very reminiscent of Penn State. And no one's ever going to do it quite like Penn State. They got a 100,000-seat no. stadium, and they've been doing yeah. it for years, and they do it really well. They get the S in the end zone and the student section and all that stuff. But it looked good, and uh, I was proud of the way Hokie showed out. Hokie Nation showed out on, on Saturday night. Let's get into our news and notes. We'll start with the AP polls. We always do. Florida and Kansas dropped out of the poll. Florida, man, what happened against Kentucky? I didn't think Kentucky was that good. And they just three years in a row, Kentucky has beat them three years. And they had Florida had won like 17 straight. And I think something that it was something crazy, 14 straight uh, along those lines. And then Kentucky has rolled off three in a row against them. So now Kentucky and Louisville hop into the rankings. So that makes five ACC teams now ranked because Duke stayed in Utah dropped eight spots to number 18. I don't think Utah is very good. And unless they get Cam rising back, this conference is too good for them to stay in the top 25. I agree. I also feel for Duke because in that Notre Dame loss, they lost Riley Leonard and they've been such a good story. A story that some of our Hokie fans have taken exception to, because it's like, look what Mike Elko is doing down there. He's got Duke winning in year one and year two. And now the the reason they've done so much of that winning is on going to be on the sidelines because it sounds that injury sounds worse than I thought it was on Monday when I recorded college football Monday. I don't think he's going to be back in time for the FSU game. I hope that he is, but that's in just a couple of weeks here. So LSU dropped ten spots. Did you catch any of the LSU Ole Miss game? That I guess you were out out and about all day. So you yeah, we, we took our our daughter out to um, to grab some food and stuff, and then we were getting ice cream, all sorts of stuff. So I did not get to catch a lot of football. It was <laughs> quite frankly, I I only caught it on my phone at the wedding. I was kind of doing some sneaks, you know, under the table. Um, but then I I did some watching and reading afterwards, and 
man, the offenses were good. And wow, where's the defense? Like that's, that was my takeaway from that game. That, 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 that's what I heard too. I listened to a lot of podcasts about what happened this weekend and everybody's like, what happened to LSU's defense? They are terrible. And their linebackers are, uh, you know, talk about DBU. I mean, they are a good line. I mean, not linebacker defensive back. They are a good defensive back uh, college and it's atrocious. I don't know yeah. what the hell happened. And there's been some consternation about them being ranked at all because they're sitting at number 23 as Tom Fernelli said, they've lost 40% of their games. Do they <laughs> do they really deserve to be ranked, despite those being against good teams? I don't know how good LSU is. That offense and the quarterback are good. So they probably are worthy of a ranking when all is said and done down the line. But we'll see because they got a big game against Mizzou this weekend, an undefeated Mizzou who <laughs> is in the rankings. Yeah, that will be – this is – this is when Mizzou will get after you. Yeah. Those random years that you're not paying attention to, they they sneak in and they know when to do it. When their when their side of the conference is down and mm-hmm. like you know the SEC is down, Mizzou they are right there to take advantage. And it's they perfect. were in year one of the SEC, yes. right? <laughs> they, yeah, they when, were... they, when they made the SEC championship. Yeah, right? so that should be good. You got Georgia and Kentucky this upcoming weekend, uh, a- Bama and A and M, like. That wait, not Bam and AM. Um is that right? Oh, it is Bam and Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bam and yeah. AM. So there's a bunch of good games. We'll talk about some of the games this weekend at the end of the pod. No change to the top seven. UGA still number one. Michigan, Texas, Ohio State, FSU. Depth chart injury update. We still have the or designation at the quarterback position. Prize comments on it Tuesday were more of the same. We don't have to make a decision on QB1 because Grant is still on the mend. Only reason I take exception to that, and I know it, I it's probably not a big deal, and I fully know that. I just kind of wanted Chiron to be rewarded for the performance he just out, put out there on the field with a, he's our QB1. Yes, I agree. <laughs> that seems like the least that you could do for a guy that just scored five touchdowns for you. Five. Um, that but, is not this. This is one of the worst offenses that Virginia Tech has ever put out on the field. And then we come off a week where he puts up five touchdowns. And, yeah. you know, you think you would give him maybe the, the nod. And I understand Grant's coming off the injury. And I don't think he wants to set a precedent that you lose your starting job from an injury. So as soon as Grant's healthy, which should be relatively soon, I think they're, they'll make the announcement then. But I don't think Grant is going to be starting a game unless Chiron himself gets injured. Would you agree? Let's hope not. Yeah. Let's <laughs> Let's really, hope really hope not. Other injuries. Nazir People still working his way back. He was dressed for the game. He didn't play, but he was back as a full participant in, in practice. He wasn't with the ones. The ones were Stroman and Phillips, which Phillips was another guy that was banged up. So yeah. we're getting healthier. Like it does seem like we're getting healthier and we might be our healthiest when we go into FSU because Braylon Moore was back with the ones at practice. Jalen Jones still dealing with something. We'll see what happens with him. But Lane looks significantly more like himself in the game. We saw yes. that on that touchdown. <laughs> on that so touchdown. it's nice to be getting more healthy. And we saw a team that looked a bit like a different team at a better 
stage of health. That might have had something to do with the, the opponent, and we'll get into that. But uh, it's nice to be getting more healthy in this season. Agreed. Hokey Hoops landed a huge commitment. We got we to gotta mention this before we get back to football because we got a four-star for the 2024 class committed center Ryan Jones. He's the number 67-ranked recruit in the composite for 2024, 0.97. That makes him the fourth-highest recruit we've ever gotten and since these rankings went into inception. And he replaced Rodney Rice on that list. So now we're going to have our fourth and fifth highest recruits ever on this upcoming team, I guess, next year, 2024. But huge to get a big man, the number 12 center in the country, six foot eight, uh, had tons of offers, UF, A&M, Illinois, LSU, Xavier. Like these are good basketball schools. So I'm, I'm, jacked up about this and we have some serious basketball content coming at you. I was talking to Robbie a little bit about this earlier. I'm not going to, not going to blow the secret or anything, but we're going to have some really good basketball coverage with us and the Suns going forward here. It's going to be a fun season. Yes, I would agree. (laughs) CFB Monday, Monday's at 9am. I was back this week, fresh off the wedding. I didn't know if I was going to be able to record, but I did put something out there, covered VT, covered a bunch of other things. It was a good show. Next week, we'll have a guest. Colby Dant from the College Experience Podcast is going to be joining me. That's the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. They put out a lot of good stuff, both pro and college, but Colby does the vast majority of their college coverage. And he's an old friend of Robbie's, in fact, right? Yeah, we went to high school together. He um, stayed on my couch in uh, at Virginia Tech uh, for about a semester while he was he was actually filming he was big. Uh, he lives out in California now, but he was doing some uh, filmmaking at the time, and he was filming something for National Geographic, I think, at the time. He was sleeping on my couch, so that was awesome. But Colby is a monster. This guy is watches. I, I Pete and I always joke how he has the time to watch as many games and know about as many teams. And we're not talking about just like Power Five. We're talking Power Five, Group of Five, FCS, you you name it. And Colby is putting picks out there for all this. And he is, he's good. And he's hilarious, which is yeah. awesome too. Yeah, he he moved out to LA. He was in the stand-up comedian game. You mentioned about filmmaking. Yeah. He's had his hand in a lot of things. One thing he's awesome at is handicapping games. He yeah. he enters a lot of these contests. And the reason the guy has a, a betting podcast is because he's a killer handicapper. He wins a lot of these contests. And so we're going to have him on the show. I want to ask him about the Sun Belt because the Sun Belt's been a wild conference and it's something that's harder for people like me and you to track. And mm-hmm. so he's the perfect person to have on talk about that, talk about the next week's games, maybe some of his favorite plays. I think you might be joining us too. We'll have to wait yep. on that. Are you going to, you going to come on the yeah, show? I'm, I'm going to, I got to say what's up to Colby. So. Nice. Nice. So next Monday, 9am catch that. It's going to be a really fun episode. Pick'em leaders, Kay Smith and the bottom dwellers are in first place at 31 and 19. Good job, you guys. We got six more teams at 30 and 20. So a lot of good teams performing right now. I had my best week. I went seven out of ten this past week. So wow. Nice. <laughs> I'm still I'm still towards the bottom, but I'm trying to get my way back up. I, I am I am towards the bottom. Uh, I think I'm t- 20 for 20 and 28 or something like that. Is that, right. we're, that not, right? yeah, we're, we're pretty close to each other, I think. Yeah, yeah. that sounds about yeah. right. We're both terrible. All right, the game recap. 
There were two quick scores by both teams to start the game, and Hasselback even made a joke on the broadcast like, just like we talked about explosive offenses. <laughs> He's I, I actually really enjoy Hasselback on a call. He does he does a pretty good job, and he does a lot of ACC yeah. games, so we hear him a lot. A lot of them. <laughs> but we put up more, two more touchdowns in the second quarter. We separated a little bit, up 21-7 at the half. But then the fear kicked in because Pitt scored two quick touchdowns, one on a pass, another bust, and then a defensive touchdown on a fumble by Drones. They were only 40 seconds apart. So all of a sudden, it's like everyone got real tight. But late in the third, Drones hit a wide-open Jalen Lane. That was clutch. Got that TD there. We added the field goal. Hokies win 38-21. to But you know, it's the favorite part of the pod, the calls. Boys, all I got to say is Tyron Drones is handier than a pocket on a damn shirt. I've had like five pumpkin beers right now, and we are just going to tear through that ass. Oh, we are so back, baby. Whoa! I mean, Narduzzi's just praying, hoping Michigan State's calling and saying, please, for the love of God, get me out of here, because the Hokies are coming. Sweet Caroline, eat shit, pig. Go Hokies. Let me tell you something, brother. What you gonna do, Narduzzi, dude, when Hokie Nation runs wild on you, brother? Man, I really think Chiron Drones is him. I think he's got it. And luckily, we figured it out before he can transfer out to an SEC school this time. The Hokies have scored 38 points. Let me repeat that. The Hokies have scored 38 points. Amazing. Almost forgot what, uh, what this feels like to win a football game. And finally, the football justified the alcohol. I have hope. I mean, that felt good. I don't want to. Uh, I don't want to draw too many conclusions. They say winning fixes everything. Yeah, <laughs> we have a lot to fix. Glad to see Tyler Bowen took all our advice, removed head from ass, and called a pretty good game. Bowen called a good game. Offense when we run the ball, man, get six yards on first down makes life a lot easier. My one takeaway from the game is this. He said Pat Narduzzi sits to pee. This tells me they can beat some other teams in the ACC, so at least not all hope is lost. That's something old, okay? I am very optimistic right now. I'm excited. Brooke, how are you feeling? Super excited. Super excited. I mean, if you feel super excited, I'm feeling good. Pete, Robbie, that is they. Victory joints on the swings. Superior. Let's go, Hokies. Woo! Amazing calls. And this, let's go back Fire. to what you said last time. When we get worse, the calls get better. This went the other way. Well, <laughs> yeah. I, I think, yeah, there was like a, there was like a whipsaw effect. Like we, we got really low and therefore the excitement and the exuberance just was off the charts. Those are the, that's the, I think the best set of calls we've ever had. Oh that was gosh. actually hilarious. That Dude, was, that was hack awesome. and Dan calling in with like the pro wrestling. Yeah. Let me tell you brother stuff. Oh God. That was so great. And that was before the game. The one they were oh. like, we're going to run all over you. Narduzzi. Like that was like, they predicted it basically. Cause that was before that's the good. game. Uh, but yeah, man, the, <laughs> The eat shit pit was great. Oh my um, gosh. There was a couple of those. So many good calls. Thank you for calling. If you want to get in on the reaction line, 540-251-2169.
call us next week when we play FSU. Might be a little bit of a different tone to the calls next week. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not sure exactly how that's going to go, but I, I also loved. Bowen took our advice to remove head from our mess and put together a nice offensive scheme. And it, it's not even the reaction line based on what you just said. It can be the preview line too. Yeah. You want to, uh, yeah, you can hit it on either side, depending on what time you start boozing that day. Call us on thirsty Thursday. Tell us what you're thinking about the game this upcoming weekend. I like it. Before we get into our story of the game and all the details, I got to tell you guys about McCoy's. 2D Pokies Under the Influence is brought to you by McCoy's Auto Repair in Radford. There we go. Who doesn't love supporting a local family-operated business? That's what you're going to get with McCoy's. Established in 1980, they offer full service, including major and minor repairs. They do oil changes, state inspections, engine and transmission repair or rebuilds, diesel repair, fleet service, etc., etc. Anything that you need, they can pretty much take care of. They also sell all the tires, any kind of brand of tires you need, they probably have it. And they have optional pickup and drop off if you can't get there because work and life is just too, too busy. They can take care of you there too. So head to McCoy's Auto Repair for all your vehicle maintenance needs or give them a call. You can see the number right on the screen if you're watching on YouTube. It's 540-639-2933. And you can find them on Facebook as well. Just winter like that weather old... is coming. Yeah, so get your car taken care of before right. the winter weather. Get yes. those oil changes done, the state inspections. You don't want to get a ticket. And just like that old hokey buddy of yours, McCoy's is a name you can trust. Story of the game, Rob. What was your story? So many of them. Uh, gap fitting by the linebackers, Kyron Drones, uh, doing verbatim exactly what you and I have been talking about for you know two episodes I think now mm-hmm. uh, at length if not more so those are the two stories there's there's probably more offensive line played better not great not great but they played much better in this game so maybe three I, I'll stick with three yeah I mean it's drones one and then the D only giving up 38 rush yards those yeah. like that because those two areas are what Pry was preaching. Play defense, dynamic quarterback, run game. That's what we got. And yep. finally, they they gave the ball to Tootin, and they kept giving the ball to Tootin. He's our best player. Maybe not the most important, because Drones is the most important, but he's our best player. 28 yep. touches for him. Malachi got in there. 140-plus yards for Tootin. So many broken tackles. I mean... He, we had 12 tackles for loss against us and yep. without Tootin and drones breaking tackles, it could have been 15, 18, been way more than that. <laughs> yes, yes. I, I agree. And he, he showed up, um, in, in a big way at 24, you know, carries 110 on the ground. Then he was also weapon caught a touchdown. It, it was just, he had himself a day and Malachi came in, put together another 40 yards or so on the ground, and those guys played their ass off. Yeah. Like you said, it could have, it could have, there were some chances that if they didn't scramble or find good holes or, or make somebody miss, that it could have been um, more TFLs against us, but they made it happen. What was nice in this game is we had a plan to run the football, but it wasn't just right up the middle. It was tosses and sweeps, and right in the first drive, we saw them doing the pitches, little triple option, little 
little toss to the side here and there. Sometimes they ran to the boundary a little too often, but they stuck with the plan. They didn't go away from it and make Chiron throw 35 times like we saw at Marshall. 59 rushes in this game. And even though we had all those tackles for loss, they stuck with it. Yes. The lead helps. Mm-hmm. Yes, <laughs> it does. But I was still was just shocked that this offense looked completely different to me. And it looked really nice. So they would, Kyron would do a keeper, um, you know, to the right-hand side, and then that would keep the defense honest. And then that would set up like a counter that he would make on another play. And then that would set up Tootin to have a nice run because that was, they were looking at and had to be honest with Kyron Drone's ability to run. And then we complimented that with some nice pot passes. It was all the facets that you want to see using his legs. Once they kind of bit on that, using the rushing. And once they bit on those two things, then we were using the pass appropriately. It, it's exactly what you love to see. It was, it was beautiful. It really was. And then they worked in some of those rollouts as well. Yep. And Chiron has been pretty excellent throwing the ball on the run. Like it's, yep. it's absolutely a skill that he has 400 yards of offense, more than 400 yards of offense. It was 427 to be exact. Only the third time we've done that under Pry. I mentioned that on Monday. 199 yards rushing, highest under Pry, highest scoring game under Pry. So <laughs> you can see this was a bit of a coming out party for our offense. That's right. And the other thing Kyron do- does that I like is he's very decisive to throw it out of bounds. He doesn't, if he does, he's, he knows he's not at the stage to do kind of crazy stuff. And when you see him, He's very quick to know that he's in danger and he'll he'll throw it out of bounds and he'll just get he'll get rid of it and then he'll wait for the next play, see what he could do. And I, I appreciate that. You know, mitigating the damage sometimes is equally as important, if not more important, than um, you know, what you do on the offense because you know, an interception here or there in this game goes very differently. It it's so true, man. Knowing when to when to fold them, right? And yeah. and it's a, it's absolutely a skill. Let's talk about those five touchdowns, three passing, two rushing. David Cunningham put out the tweet saying that the last time we did this was Josh Jackson against ECU against, and you'll remember how bad that pass defense was for ECU. Like it was absolutely horrendous in 2017, but Evans did it against BC, an amazing game. Logan in 2011, Randall in 02, Vic. I mean, these are the kind of people that he joined. And I don't care who the opponent is. It does not happen. And so this is super, super impressive. 21 carries, 19 pass attempts. So he carried the ball more than he threw it, which at this stage in his career is fine. We will have to watch his carries at some point or another because he's only 14 off the leader in the ACC right now in carries with all the running backs, all the quarterbacks, whatever. So if he had started the first two games, He'd be leading the ACC in carries, and <laughs> and that is that is a problem. You yeah. don't want that from your quarterback. However, that's where this offense is right now. We're putting it all on his back, and we need him to deliver. And he did a two hundred and sixteen passer rating. The big plays were refreshing to see. I couldn't believe. Yes. Were you in the stadium for that first one? I mean, you had to be. Right? I was. We we got in very. Early. We were in an hour before game time, so uh, or kickoff. So we 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 saw it and. Um, uh, 
my wife and daughter uh, quickly ran up to get food right away because we were sitting up in, uh, in from, and that's when uh, Felton caught his touchdown pass down the right-hand side on that amazing, you know, and blew the top off. And we, I was going nuts by myself. Uh, <laughs> obviously, you had to be hands. high-fiving neighbors and stuff. Right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> but it, it, great pass, great play, and great timing on it. I love it. it. I mean, it was absolutely perfect. And I think, was he was he rolling out or was that just a drop back? I can't remember. But either way, it was uh, beautiful. I think it was a drop back. I think Felton has improved week yes. over week. Like, he looks more confident. He did have the crucial drop against Rutgers, but he's been a lot better the last couple of weeks. He's had to, and it's a big kudos to him because coming into the season, he was the name behind... Allie Jennings um, and Jalen Lane. So he he didn't think that he was going to be the guy. And then all of a sudden Jennings and Lane both go down and then he was the guy that had to be, that's gotta be tough. Like not only to lose one of them, but lose both of them. And then really you're the centerpiece of the receiving core. So I could see it taking a couple of weeks for him to kind of get comfortable with that without having that expectation going into the season. You always, the players always get told, you know, you're one injury away from being the guy, but it's different when it, you know, it happens and you have to go into the game and actually make it happen uh, uh, on the field. There were so many cool plays in this game. We even tried that flea flicker at one point. Yes. Didn't connect, but again, some creativity we hadn't seen before. The Gosnell throw and catch on fourth down. That yeah. was freaking sweet by both players because it was just a clutch, a clutch play that we really needed at the time, and it it, it was drones and breaking tackles in the backfield and just stepping up in critical moments, yeah. third downs, fourth downs. Like that's hard to do for a guy making his third start, and that's something I'm going to take away from this as well. We've talked about his kind of cool demeanor. It, yeah, he, he seems to be able to take these moments. If anybody's thinking about Wells to go back and rewatch the game, it, that would have been even more disastrous. Or and, and same in the Marshall game, like the Marshall game, he was it for a lot of those plays. He was a lot of our yardage in general. So um, he's just, yeah, he's cool, collected, and doesn't freak out. And if he's got to use his feet, he uses it. But it's I don't know. He looks he looks very mature in comparison to what I would have expected right now. I also just want to let you know, I hadn't heard him talk so much. Like he's been in a couple press conferences, but we haven't heard a ton of what Chiron Jones has to say. Uh, Graham Litch and McLean had him do an interview this week, and it was really cool. They talked about Chiron's dad and how he was his coach and how Chiron's grandfather was his dad's coach and yeah. Texas football legend. Uh, like he, it was a cool thing. Cause I got to learn a little bit more about Chiron and, and see how he talks. And he explained kind of how the quarterback battle went down and stuff. So it's a worthwhile interview. If you guys want to look that up, some other takeaways, uh, Pitt is not a good team. However, they were doing really well against the rush prior to this game. And so all the uh, Pitt stinks, they were one and three. Now they're one and four. They're not good. That defense had 
a good playing D-line that had a number of sacks. They had been stuffing the run against UNC and Cincinnati and some other, another, at least one West Virginia. And so for us to do this, maybe we played uh, over our skis a bit, but I don't care. Like Pitt has done this to us so many times. Yes. Yeah. The, the script got flipped. That's, that's for sure. I don't think they're as bad as their record implies either from what I saw. And the, the nobody's been able to have that much success in the run game against them uh, mm-hmm. so far this season, which is a great sign because we were having a lot of trouble in the run game. That is not what we thought. Uh, this is not how you and I thought was going to play out. And no. we were going to be talking about today on this, on, on this podcast for sure. And um, I think it's, it's a testament to things coming together on the offensive line, playing a little bit better on people respecting drones and his legs and Tootin getting some openings and making some openings for himself. And we knew he was talented and it, it, it paid a lot of dividends. It sure did. And we out first down pit 25 to nine. The time of possession was 38 to 22. We dominated this game. And if drones doesn't have the fumble, and that is something that he's going to have to clean up going forward. That's three straight games where, He's hurt us with a fumble, but this game, it wasn't close. I've talked about how Purdue and Marshall weren't as close as the final score in a bad way. This was not as close as the final score in a good way for the Hokies. I mean, we won by 17 and it could have easily been 21 or 24 or whatever. So I, I was, I was blown away at how well we performed to give up only nine first downs. We held Pitt to two of 10. Their offensive line is is busted up. Like their offensive line stinks, and Jerkovic is freaking terrible. And we can move over to to our our defense. Um, yeah. it, it's hard to for those reasons. It's hard to be too too complimentary of our defense, but it's a power five opponent. It's Pitt, and hell, man, our our rush defense has been terrible, and we were all waiting for Pitt to have the Abinaconda game again. And they didn't do it. We didn't let them do it. And I thought that was great. That's right. I got my wife holding up a sign saying drones, drones, drones in my <laughs> window right now. Uh, nice. Which, uh, But the defense, four sacks, six tackles for a loss, three passes, uh, defended, broken up, uh, didn't have any interceptions in this game, better gap fitting by the linebackers. Even the defensive line played better. Um, they did. You, you, the, there was... Um, I wouldn't call it havoc, although uh, APR had a sack, which gets him up to three on the year. We need to we need to keep that number going up, um, keep that going up, up, up. Uh, but it was better contained, and it was better handling the offensive line, and it just it looked a lot better there. The secondary gave up some big plays, but that I'm gonna come back to in the FS, FSU game okay. because I think. Um, I, 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 those didn't bother me as much as maybe they bothered somebody, uh, some other people. I, I think it was fine. 38 rushes on 24 carries is phenomenal. Yeah. That is, I mean, that is such a bounce, bounce back for this team in comparison to what was happening previously. We held them to negative yards rushing in the second half, only 273 yards total given up. So under 300 is really, really good for any defense. 14 points allowed by the defense, the lowest of the season. Lowest since the Wofford game last year. I, I said on Monday that the first three games last year, our defense looked really strong. We were holding teams offensively to low point totals, but uh, but we were back to that in this game. And 
it was so bad, in fact, that today they got the announcement that Jerkovic is moving to to second string over at Pitt. That's yes. the rumor. So yeah. we, we knocked him out of the starting spot, which is pretty sweet. I said they were two of ten on third down, including that big one in the first quarter where we stuffed them on third and two, mm-hmm. and then they tried to get us to jump. A uh, couple, you know, the, the big bust. You said you're going to go back to that later. I thought the DL did look a lot better. Four mm-hmm. sacks. The Kendricks, Kendricks got screwed by that APR knockout uh-huh. <laughs> because Kendricks came through there yeah. like a bull, man. Yeah. Uh, but Pollard had an outstanding PFF grade. APR had a good game. Strong, Payne, Lawson. Across the defense, we saw some really nice performances. And this was in a game where Mansoor Delane moved back to play safety because we had been bagged up there. And I think that was, that was probably the move. And if we're going to be missing guys, he might have to stay at safety. Hopefully we'll get some guys back, but it was just a solid overall performance. And I need to mention Tisdale because he played really well. He met that guy in the hole on a key Mm -hmm. third down and made several other plays on the night. He, he had a really good night, a nice, okay. He might be getting used to it kind of night. And that was a pretty big hole. Yes. That that was about a five foot hole that was in there. And he squared up on that guy and took him down. It was, it was pristine. Uh, yeah. And what you want to see there. It's funny that Jerkovic looks so terrible. And on so many third downs, he like fluttered a duck that was nowhere near a receiver. Those throws were so bad. <laughs> a couple of them were Watching it in the stadium was, it was, it was horrendous how bad, like seeing it like coming and they were, the pit offense was like coming towards us. And one of his throws was arguably the worst throw I've ever seen a quarterback make. It was it trying to go to a wide receiver and he threw that like line bullet duck, like over to the right into the ground. And I was like, I didn't know whether they were going to call intentional grounding on it, but it was a real pass. He was trying to pass it. Yeah, um, right. And, and so, t- like, I guess if you're just bad, they can't call intentional they grounding. They couldn't call intentional grounding. It was unbelievable. I've never seen anything like it. The weirdest quirk of the night was that he actually had his best passing night of the year. Like, most yards, yeah. highest passer rating because of the two plays, one of which was a screenplay, yes. but whatever. It doesn't matter. He was terrible. The defense shut him down for the most part. And hopefully we can get the bus corrected. There were 10 penalties on us in this game, nine on pit. Kind of a little ugly game, but somewhat of yeah. what you expect in these kind of games between us two teams. Let's move to the takeaways and then let's move on. Best performance of the Brent Pry era. I don't think yeah. that's that's really debatable. Most points, best QB performance, one of the lowest point totals by the other team. And it was the first time I thought that Brent Pry and the staff massively overachieved. We had talked about how our coaches never seemed to overachieve. Well, they beat Liberty and they outcoached Hugh Freeze, but that was also when Hugh Freeze had like one foot out the door. This yep. was just a, a, a yeah. I don't know, could take him behind the woodshed, slap him around to Narduzzi, and we overachieved in full and won the game by more than we should and et cetera, et cetera. Best game of the era, in my opinion. This was, I'll, I'll, I'll expand on that or expound on that in saying this was the first time we looked like our coaching staff and our players were more prepared to play a game than their opponent. Yes. They were better scripted. 
They were better physically prepared. They knew what their mission was on offense. They knew what they wanted to do on defense. All, all of those things. It, even other games that we've won, it's never been looked like, Nar, you know, in this case, Narduzzi's team, just we made them look like they didn't even prepare this week. Like they had no clue that mm-hmm. there was a game. And that's that's so uncharacteristic of of Pitt. Like sometimes they don't have the dudes. Sometimes you see Narduzzi hopping up and down. He's complaining about calls, whatever, and we beat him. But they're not usually unprepared for a game. And that could be a testament to just how bad they are this year, or maybe our coaches just got the better of someone. And I think that's that's probably what it is, and that's what we'll go with. Don't know how Bowen put this game plan together. I don't know where the playbook came from. I joked that they found one of Fuente's old toss playbooks in the in the closet, and maybe they did. But the okay. offensive line was given some breathing room because of the misdirection, because of the the way they were calling the offense, spread them out, then hit them deep, mm-hmm. like that kind of thing. Uh, and Caden Moore kind of had his best game of the season. We saw that. So hopefully this is the start for Bowen. Like, all right, we had this other idea. We we kind of organized it around Grant's skill set. We tried to put Chiron in that skill set. Yeah, We reworked it, and now hopefully we'll be better. Because if you remember last year, we started with the wrong offense. We moved to a different offense. The team did improve as the year yes. went on offensively. And so hopefully yeah. that's the start of that here. The fan base and the team just really need this for morale because we're about to go potentially get our butts whipped. So it's yes. nice to to go into that with a good feeling. And I also thought this game was evidence that some what a, evidence of what some of our advanced stats had been saying. Did you happen to read Shelton Moss's piece on the key play? I have not read that. It one. just came it. out either earlier today yeah. or something. I happened to catch it this afternoon, but he pointed out that we've been winning the success rate battle. And that is one of the statistics that is more indicative of sustainable winning and mm-hmm. turnovers and explosive plays have just killed us. And right. in this game, we got some of those for us, even though we did have a turnover and we did have some explosive plays go against us. We were just yeah. so overwhelmingly better in success rate and a number of other things. We can do this. Like this mm-hmm. is a repeatable thing for tech. We've actually had a better success rate in four out of our five games than our op- opposing opposition. Yeah. So NC State, Wake, BC, UVA, even Syracuse. Yeah. These are winnable games. Like yeah, I would agree. Yeah, they would. Um, I came out of this game, and this is weird to have happen. And uh, my wife was like, "Well, you're one and zero in conference," and I was like, "Oh shit!" I was like, <laughs> "You know what?" I was like, "The season's not over." I was right. like, "Okay, let's." But yeah, and we have a a good. It's going to be tough but a good slate ahead outside of this FSU game, a good slate ahead of us of winnable games. Like everything's on the table. I do expect to see some more hiccups in the offense. I don't think you just flip a switch and it's going to be better. I don't know when those are going to show their head um, outside of maybe the FSU game, but that that's going to happen. We're going to have a little bit of um, reversion to the mean at some point uh that and as they grow you got to take a couple dips to to move forward sometimes and i think that will happen but this is in the right direction and in the vein of what could be a really good reliable offense yeah and the sp plus moved us to 72 
and it pr- actually projects us to win five games right now and gives wow. us a 23% chance at a bowl. So you're talking about about a quarter percent, quarter percent, a one in four chance of making <laughs> a bowl. I'm good at math. Uh, yes. <laughs> I'm an engineer. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah, so it things are looking just the slightest bit up. And I'm yeah. not going to, I don't want to rain on the parade with pit stinks. Pit is pit. Okay. They can be yeah. terrible and prevent you from going to a national championship game. Like they did, they did yeah. that to West Virginia. <laughs> yes. They've done, they've done that to a lot of teams. Yeah. Um, and they, they, they did it to Clemson. Yeah. Like twice to on years that they were not that good. Um, and Clemson was very good. Pitt will sneak up and we all hate Narduzzi, but he's a good coach and he will cause trouble for you. So it is, I, I am not willing to just be like, Hey, Pitt sucks. This was nothing. So yeah, that's not, that doesn't hold water with me. Let's take a quick moment to talk about our sponsor. Yeah. Our other sponsor. The 2D Pokies Under the Influence podcast is brought to you by Roback. We've talked about Roback a million times. I don't need to go into too many details, but I do want to tell you that they just released a new quarter zip, and that's a quarter zip geared for the Hokies. It's called the Berg. It's maroon, and it's got tiny little maroon Virginias, also kind of a two-tone situation going on. It just came out. You can use code 2DVT to get 20% off that new quarter zip. It's beautiful looking. If you look at... uh. Go to YouTube, click on Pat and Billy's last podcast from Monday. They're both wearing the quarter zip together on the screen. Really? They're standing up. They recorded a whole podcast, I think, standing up next to each other. And they're both wearing the same thing. That looks nice. I like that. And it's like kind of, um, it's not like in your face. It's It's low key. Subtle. It's like subtle. Yes. Um, I saw a ton of Roback golf shirts at... um, all over oh when like, you were down black oh yeah yes I, I i couldn't get myself to wear mine because i didn't want to wear a golf shirt for like we were we were down in blacksburg until what 10 30 p.m we showed up there at like 11 30 a.m so we were down there for a while i was like i can't be in a golf shirt like all day long um i'm gonna sweat through it or something so um but i saw a bunch of the rowback shirts out there it was yeah. awesome. And hopefully we were responsible for a few of those. So use yeah. our code 2DVT to get 20% off your order. Roback Crave Activity. All right, Rob, I want to ask you what you're drinking, and then I'll talk about my pumpkin beer over here. I did not do this through the online ordering. I was at a Whole Foods and I looked up on the wall, and Athletic Brewing uh, had released their Oktoberfest. So I picked that up, snatched it off of uh, off the wall. They're non-alcoholic, best brew, and it is tastes like a traditional Oktoberfest, which I know that's not saying a lot, but for non-alcoholic beers, it is saying a lot. So it tastes great, and I get the full fall flavor, full fall fall flavor of, yeah. uh, of of an Oct- of an Oktoberfest, and it is. It's delicious. Is I it like, uh, does it have like that malty kind of Oktoberfest feel? It does. Nice. It's not, it's not killer malty, but it is, it's got, it's got plenty in there. Um, it's, it's not like sticks on your tongue type malty of like some of the Oktoberfest. I just don't think they can get that much sugar into it with it being non-alcoholic. I mean, a lot of the alcohol, you know, sugar is related to having the alcohol in there. There's, there's no doubt about that. I am drinking the Ithaca chai pumpkin this was a gift from basil one of our listeners 
met up at the Rutgers game, gave me this. He also gave me the Country Pumpkin by Ithaca, which is still sitting in the fridge. But this is a pumpkin ale brewed with spices, lactose, and natural tea flavor. That's that chai. That's what you're talking about. That sugar, like that's what the lactose yeah. is in this one. It brings a sugary burst. It's not too, too much, but the tea kind of mellows it out. And it's not a heavy tea flavor. Until I read that, obviously I saw mm-hmm. chai, but like now I kind of taste just a little bit of the tea, but it kind of evens out the sugar. Very good, very dark, very dark beer for being a pumpkin. Has a little bit of that malt flavor. Not overwhelming, but if this was your second or third, you might have to stop. That would That's kind of how I would put it. But I would recommend the chai pumpkin. There's always a balance with these things between the malt and the spices and the sugar, and you got to come right yeah. to that sweet spot. We've always talked about the the yeah. Schlafly, the yeah. pumpkin head by Shipyard. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Aleworks makes the really good pumpkin ale. Those are some of our yeah. favorites. And I have one more here. I'll, I'll talk about it a little bit later, but it's from Great Divide pumpkin ale and i had it at the tailgate as well delicious pumpkin beer i'm gonna have another sip so i can get a a little bit of the flavor so i can compare it better tonight but uh love pumpkin beer season i said on our twitter account earlier it kind of it went too far like it got it got overrated pumpkin beer and now i feel like it's hated on so many people just hate it because it's too popular or too weird that now i think it's underrated Yes. <laughs> Now's the time to jump back in. Right. Right. You, you've you got to, when the stock is down, that's when the 2D podcast buys. And, you know, we we sell high, we buy low. That's um, right. That's, you know what that's else our... is really good pumpkin beers is uh, Elysian. They have yes. actually, and it used to be harder to find because it's from Seattle, uh-huh. but now they have their, their pumpkin pack in yeah. multiple stores. I've seen it a bunch of places. And it's the Pancaccino, it's the Night Owl, it's their Imperial. Really good. If you want a, a wide variety of different pumpkin beers, get the Elysian pack. Because despite being a little bit more mainstream at this point, it's it's very good. And of course, there's the Pumpkin, which I know Clark loves the Pumpkin. A lot yeah. of people love it. For me, it's a little too sweet, a little too strong. Because <laughs> yeah. yeah. it's 10%. So maybe if you're having one, it's good. But uh can only do so many pumpkins a season for me. And then there's always the dogfish, the pumpkin. Oh, yeah. Uh, which is a classic. I got one and of the, those in my fridge, too. And that one's great because that one is like spice forward a little bit. Like that is not sweet. It's like kind of yes. it's kind of edgy. Um, that, that's a good one. Um, and it varies but, uh, just a little bit each year. But I swear the the pumpkin, that's the dogfish one. It gets better. I feel like every year they've brewed it, it's gotten a little bit better. Like I, I so I'm, I'm looking forward to having that one this year as well. So anybody hating on me drinking non-alcoholic beer, I can still compare beer notes for beers <laughs> that I had like five years ago. So uh, guess what? I'll 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 go toe to toe with anybody with a, a beer that was uh, around back when I was I was boozing. A good so. beer you never forget. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> one one I got I just just hit me. I I kind of not a huge punk king guy but southern tier warlock that mm-hmm. is a phenomenal pumpkin beer stout it's a dark beer yes really really good in fact when clark stayed here we shared a warlock as the last beer before bed really smart uh, yeah that, that'll put you down for the count. <laughs> it's like, like that cost you like 
<laughs> yeah, that cost you like 30 minutes time waking up in the morning. Yeah, that, that's a rollover and hit the snooze that's button. Why, that's why I was tweeting so much. Um, <laughs> all right, let's move on to Florida State. Saturday, 10-7, 3.30 p.m. on ABC. That's right, we got the 3.30 spot on ABC for our game against number five FSU. This is a good team. They've had two good wins. They beat LSU. They beat Clemson in a wild game. I watched at Robbie's house. Mm-hmm. And they're coached by Mike Norvell, who is 22 and 16 over four seasons. It was a slow burn for him and the Seminoles these last few years. It was. Um, and it was a slow burn. They, But they've righted the offensive line uh, and the, all the druthers that they were having for a while. And they... They are, if you don't look at the scores, they are rolling right now. Let's put it that way. They're coming off a bye. They had just won four in a row. Like you said, they did have a sleepy night up in Chestnut Hill with BC, which was a little bit dangerous, but they pulled out the W. A win's a win. And um, it all starts with the man under center in Jordan Travis. Yeah. So Number 10 nationally in QBR, I want to say. That's good. He finished last year at number seven. So he's still performing at a very high level this year. He's actually tied with Drake May in QBR at 86.0. This is a dangerous offense to the point that I think when they play at their ceiling, they're probably the best offense in the country. But that ceiling only hits for like brief spurts in a game, at least so far against some of these better opponents. Is that how you'd kind of characterize it? Yes, and that's really because the the rush has been uh a lot tamer than most people expected going into the year with the athletes that they have, the offensive line that they have, the tight end strength that they have for blocking things like along. So um, the strength has been the passing for them, which we also anticipated, but people thought it was going to be very potent on both, both facets of the game. And thus far, I will caveat thus far, because who knows what's going to happen in this game against Virginia tech. um, It has, uh, has not come out to be, what it is. Trey Benson uh, has been good, but not great. He's got 40 carries for under 200 yards uh, and four touchdowns, I think, on the ground, which is not what people were anticipating. And they've really relied on Jordan Travis through the air. Johnny Wilson and um, Cohen Coleman uh, are their dangerous wide receivers. They also have the tight end that's very good, the big dude. Um, And I'm blanking on his name bell but, they have uh, two tight ends it's bell two the, the transfer and then morlock morlock is really mm-hmm. good too and so yeah. when you when you put in wilson and coleman i mean coleman's the guy that caught the overtime touchdown against clemson and just made an yeah. amazing play he is so good another transfer and this is this is what fsu did they went out and they got these transfers to add to an already stacked team and you're not seeing it in the run game they had benson last year and he had almost a thousand yards, good back, but they have struggled to run the football, as you indicated. Against LSU and against Clemson, there were these lulls in offense where they couldn't get anything going, including the run game. That may change when they play some lesser opponents. And they did play Southern Miss and they did play BC. And BC, like BC could have won. I mean, I know they came and came back late, but that was a two-point game. And yep. so that kind of shows you if FSU isn't in the right frame of mind, they can be had. 
if a team like yeah. BC can come that close, I don't care about Sleepy Chestnut Hill. I understand it's an advantage for them. It works for them. But like it does show you the basement for FSU. Yes. And and I think that is the basement for FSU to achieve, because we'll hit on FSU's defense in a minute, mm-hmm. um, to achieve that basement for them on offense. My thought um, on that is I want to see what we just did against Pitt against FSU. So I said I was going to come back to kind of some of the explosive plays that they have. I think let's let's make let's keep them one dimensional the way that they have been. Let's sell out against the run. Let's force Jordan Travis to throw. I know that's dangerous. I know he's a great passer. I know and let's we're going to give up some explosive plays. That's going to happen. It happened against Pitt. You can still survive that game and at least that gives you an avenue to potentially keep it close. If you, I'm, I'm advocating a, for something strange here, and it's the opposite of what people know. It. I'm advocating for a break, but don't bend defense. And usually it's, you know, bend, but don't break. I, I'm fine giving up some of the big explosive plays if on an, what you see in the run game, which is kind of consistent chunks of like five yards, six yards. That's really when you start getting the shit kicked out of you, when it's just like people controlling the game. Uh, If we could do what we just did against, and that's what Pitt was, right? Like they had a couple big explosive, a 61 yard play, a 60, uh, a, anyway, it was 62 huge plays. One was 60 and one was 50 yards. That that's fine. It didn't cost us the game, right? Give up some of the big stuff. It's going to happen. There's going to be a breakdown. There's they have great wide receivers. They have great tight ends. Um, but if we can contain the bread and butter, then I think that gives us a best shot of keeping this game, you know, from getting out of hand or potentially making it a little bit close. I'm, I'm I agree with you because Travis isn't putting up crazy numbers through the air, and and again. We're talking about four points of data, and two of them were against very good teams. Nevertheless, he is a dynamic quarterback that relies on both avenues to to really do his damage. He's only throwing for about 250 yards a game. Like, that's, that's not crazy, and we do have good corners. And if we get a safety back, then you can put Mansoor back at corner and you can help nullify some of the situation they got going on at wide receiver. So I agree with the mentality in general, make them as one dimensional as you can. Jordan Travis is also isn't a hundred percent from what we hear. And there was talk about them, maybe even sitting him for this game. I don't think that would be wise. I, I know like they could probably win the game without him, but like if I was an FSU fan, I would be a little bit nervous about that proposition. I don't think just because of the pit game, like it shows them we're not just the straight up walkover that we've kind of been looking like I I would, I would say. Yeah. And, and Jordan Travis, his stats are good, right? He's got over a thousand yards. He has 10 TDs and he has only one interception. Everybody gravitates to those numbers, but Mm -hmm. there's an overlooked number in here. He's only got a 60% completion percentage on the year. That's low for how good or at least how perceived he is right now amongst the quarterbacks in the nation. And um, that that's good. That's not great. I mean, to be like an elite quarterback these days, you want to be mid sixties to high sixties. 
I mean, Burrow was in the 70s. That's craziness. But he should be in the mid-60s for the type of talk we're doing with a quarterback of his caliber. And it it hasn't been there yet. No, no. he He's playing well. The team is playing well. But they haven't gotten to death star status as i said yes, about like correct. the way the way oklahoma has been playing this year other save for the cincinnati game the way that georgia played the last couple of years like they haven't quite gotten to that level despite being in my playoff four being a tremendous team they might win a lot of their games they might beat duke by a couple touchdowns they might win by a touchdown here they're not going to be beating every single team by 40 points i mean we've already right. seen them go up against bc and win by two so like it's a good team it may not be a great team um, and they could still not be a great team and beat us th- by three touchdowns. <laughs> I want to make that clear as well. That's right. Let's um, talk about uh, their defense. Cause uh, I think the last thing I didn't mention was just their offensive line and it's been solid. We, we said that before the year. That's one thing that differentiated this Florida state team than the one that was ranked number three several years back is that this offensive line is very good. Uh, one sack per game given up seventh and uh, fewest tackles for loss. As for the defense, it should be sick. Like what they have talent wise should be sick. They're 85th in yards per play right now. And they have played a very tough LSU offense. We think Clemson is, has come around and has a good offense, but again, not to the level that I was hoping for them to be when I picked them as part of my playoff teams before the year started. Yeah, we've got, we're playing around with a mousetrap or a loaded spring here, and I'm just hoping it doesn't go off in this game because this defensive line was supposed to be nasty, mm-hmm. and they have not been. And the linebackers have made up for a lot of that. Um, the, they, they haven't given up tremendous run yards, but it's not really been because of the defensive line. It's been because their linebackers are so solid. Their linebackers are legit. Um, yeah, the defensive really- line has been good, but it hasn't been, like <clears throat> to your point, Death Star status. The <laughs> secondary is definitely legit. I mean, they have a ton of athletes on this defense. Uh, let's be honest, and they could get after us in a lot of different ways. Uh, and we saw I, just, like it's like the offense. And I didn't mean to cut you off. The the we see the offense play kind of bad. Like they're not they're not doing anything, and all of a sudden they explode. And that's yeah. kind of what the defense does too. Remember the sack fumble against Clemson. Like yep. all of a sudden, one of their athletes just makes a ridiculous play, and the game is over. Like, and, yeah. <laughs> and it's done. <laughs> and that's that's what they do. And they've got the corners, they've got the linebackers, they've they've got that defensive line with Jared Verse, Patrick Payton. Like these guys are really, really good. And your thing that you said right away is like, I hope they just don't explode or go off in this game because one of these days it's going to click, and they're yes. going to just hold someone to zero points. And our yeah. scoring streak could be over. <laughs> I, I wouldn't want to play them like in the last two games of the season. Like they're they're going to kick the shit out of somebody by the time it gets. It's still gelling for this team, and when it all comes together, I think it's going to be really dangerous because their athletes are sick, and they could do some really bad things to a team. And I'm I'm hoping they are going to wait at least one more week yeah. uh, before that before that starts to happen. I'm also hoping that. Bowen finds a third playbook somewhere <laughs> to figure out what the hell we're going to do 
with this front seven. That's the triple option. We're bringing out the triple option this week. Uh, CPJ, we got, we got two bring running backs. We got Cairo and we got two running backs. We can do this. We a got back, B back. Yeah, <laughs> let's go. Facing a top 10 team on the road is never great, but if we can hang at all, I will be happy. I, I mean, a two touchdown loss, I'd be like, yeah. okay, did we have any injuries? No. <laughs> Let's get back to Blacksburg and let's beat Wake. Like that's that's how I'm going to take this game. Of course, there's a slight chance we could run well. Drones just has 30 carries, Logan Thomas style, and and carries yeah. us to victory. It's college football. Anything can happen. But with our offensive line problems, I think it kind of caps the chances of an upset. Yeah. The chances of their defensive line choosing this game to just wreak havoc on our suspect offensive line, I'd say are like 75% chance that they just start to go ham and drones is running for his life. Like, you know, just just screaming down. Like, Did you watch any of the Giants Seahawks game or hear about it? No. The Seahawks had 11 sacks on Daniel Jones this past week. Oh, God. Like, that's like what I see in my nightmares, right? Like of what could happen this weekend. Yeah. Uh, Hopefully we do enough with the misdirection and the tossing and the, and the pitching and the sweeping to, to not let that be the case. But our offensive line is going to be tested. Yes. Holding their wide receivers down. That's a possibility we have. Mm -hmm. That's our strongest position probably is DB is especially if people's decides that he's well enough to play it. Pry was optimistic about that, Uh, but their tight end pass game, their run game, they can do some things. We're going to have to do what you said and play like we did last week against the run and take our chances with the secondary. Yeah. And take their chances. And if, if Travis, Jordan Travis comes out and he throws a, a, he comes away with an 80% completion percentage, 20% what he's been doing on the, then we're going to get our asses kicked. Yeah. And, I, and that's the chance that you take. But if you make them two to two dimensional and they get the run going, then you have, nothing like if they get their run really humming and in this game we are going to be in for a really bad game um so you might as well take your shot make them one dimensional let them throw it and see maybe you get a couple picks like maybe he you know he he screws up it's just an off night you got it i think you have that's your only way to take the chance on that i'm i'm with you we need no turnovers like that's no matter what the score is if we turn the ball over two or three times, like it's going to be a lot uglier than it should have been. So we got to make sure there's no fumbles by Kyron Jones in this one. Last I checked, the line was 25. No, it started at 25 and a half. That's what it is on the pick'em. Because VT actually made the ESPN pick'em this week for our for our group. Uh, but I on Yahoo or the last time I checked it, it was 23 and a half. So it's coming towards the Hokies. Um, if that makes you feel better or worse, I don't know. It's still a 23-point spread. is never what you want to see, but it's kind of what we expected in this one. We talked a little bit about the bowl eligibility. I was looking at the SP plus win probabilities. 68% for UVA, it has us at. 67 for BC. So those are basically identical, even though... And I'm not, I guess they take into account Homer Road. Actually, it probably doesn't take into account Homer Road for, uh, for the SP plus. Yeah, at least for the probably, predictions. No. Yeah, for the predictions. And then NC State's 48%, and that one is at home, and I will be going. Mm-hmm. So we still have that slight – and I don't think Wake's good at all. I mean, they've been struggling lately. 
So those are the four I'm eyeing if we're going to get to six. Uh, but it does feel good to be one and zero, and it's kind of hard to believe sometimes. <laughs> but one and one and zero in conference, despite how horrible we were feeling a week before this past weekend. That's right. All right, let's get to the picks before we sign off here. Two yep. D Pokies Under the Influence is brought to you by Prize Picks. It's the only daily fantasy app that allows you to make plays with our Hokies players, and there's going to be some interesting plays in this one. You want to go higher or lower on some of the stats for Tootin or drones? You can do that on Prize Picks. They also have NFL, NBA's coming around the corner. We got MLB playoffs. A lot of opportunities to get money in your pocket. Use code Memory Lane, all one word, all caps, for a deposit match up to one hundred dollars. Prize Picks, daily fantasy made easy. First game, Robbie. It's Red River, the old Red River rivalry. So easy to Red say. Red River rivalry, <laughs> number one in our hearts. Oklahoma versus Texas. Texas five and a half point favorites on the pick'em. Get yourself a fried Oreo. I'm gonna go with Texas in this game. So uh, I think Oklahoma's offense they got it going. It's moving, but I think Texas. Uh, yep, they've had a good season. I think they can shut it down. They're my number one team in my playoff four. I'm gonna go with Texas. Rutgers at Wisconsin. Wisconsin thirteen and a half point favorites against a team that we did play. I Wisconsin's been a little bit of a mystery. They're probably gonna win that division. Mm-hmm. And that division's terrible. Like it, yeah, it's 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 a really bad one. Although Purdue did get a win this past weekend, I'll go first. I think this is probably just because we played them. I'm going to take Rutgers. I don't think Wisconsin's been very good. I have Rutgers as well. It's it's Shiano, and I, I don't think there's enough respect going on that Rutgers name. I, I I think that's a pretty good team. I'm not saying that because you know we lost to them, but you know, but. I, Anyway, they got I a good think, defense. That's a good defense. Yeah. They can keep it. This could be this could be a running affair between the two teams, and if it turns into an old Wisconsin rush game and Rutgers and their rush, yeah. I think it could be. That usually means a relatively tight game um, versus something explosive through the air. Definitely, Syracuse at UNC. This is kind of a an interesting ACC matchup here, and a spot where I think UNC could should be a little bit on upset alert. Like I just yeah. kind of has that feeling to me. UNC nine and a half point favorites. They've been very solid this year. I'm going to take Syracuse. I already kind of gave I, away, but I'm going to take Syracuse. I'm going to go UNC. I, and that's the shine came off Syracuse a little bit after last week, but uh, yeah, I don't know that enough. Um, I'm going to go with UNC. Yeah. And you know what? Syracuse, I'm not changing my pick, but like, it just hit me like Syracuse is missing so many playmakers. Like they lost Gadsden. They've lost a couple other guys, but that defense has been, I feel like they're going to come with something for Drake may uh, like Rocky it. long in them. All right. I'm going to go with Syracuse still nine and a half UK at UGA mentioned this game earlier, Georgia 14 and a half point favorites at home. I'm hoping this game's good. Yeah, I'll start. I'm going, I'm going, Kentucky, man. Yeah. I don't, I think that, I don't know. I don't think Georgia's what Georgia was last two years. Uh, that's pretty obvious. And dude, Mark Stoops is a monster coach. Yeah. That freaking guy, I don't know how he's still at Kentucky <laughs> and hasn't gotten picked off yet, yeah. but it is remarkable. Um, that dude can coach. I know. And Georgia, they, 
they're not playing as hard as they have. And maybe, maybe what happened last week will knock some sense into them and we'll be, because I didn't think Kentucky was good before the UF game. I really didn't. Yep. And maybe Kentucky had been prepping for Florida through those four games and then just went crazy on them. But I'm going to take Kentucky just because I haven't seen it from Georgia. I just haven't seen it. They're flirting with losing to South Carolina, flirting with losing to Auburn. And I think Kentucky is better than both of those teams, potentially. <laughs> yeah. And you got the hook, man, and helping you, you out. And you got the hook. The, you got that 14 and a half. The little hook is is looking nice. All right, last game, Georgia Tech at Miami. Georgia Tech fresh off a loss to Bowling Green. Uh, I don't know I don't know what happened there, but in general, they had been playing well. And Brent Key usually has them focused and ready to play. Yeah. You're getting 20 and a hook. Do you take Georgia Tech on this one? What are you thinking? I got to take Georgia Tech. That that's a lot of points. It's just that's a lot. And you're going um, with like that it's the whole bounce back effect. Like the worst thing that yes. could happen to Miami is what Georgia Tech giving up 38 unanswered to Bowling Green last weekend. Yes. And it's Bowling Green who's you know been a dumpster fire ever since uh, a coach went there that <laughs> shall not be named. Uh, but yeah, I I think I think Miami's coming off a bye. Uh, they've looked really good. But I'm taking Georgia Tech too cuz it just oh. there's something Something there. Yeah, there's something there. Taking GT. All right. Something smells. That's going to do it. I, I'm i not – this is one of those games we've been prepped for it since the offseason. This was yep. comfortable with losing. If we go down there, score a couple TDs, make it fun, I'll be happy. If we pull the upset, I'm going to lose my goddamn mind. <laughs> yeah, that would – FSU is going to lose their goddamn mind to lose it. Yeah, if they lose – to us again in Tallahassee and did you see you're not on Twitter oh, anymore, but someone posted the picture of them in the black jerseys and it's like, let's go black jerseys again. And like, someone's like, are you crazy? Are you <laughs> out of your mind? Yeah. Cause that's what happened in 2017, 2018. What, yeah. what year was that? <laughs> if I was an FSU fan, I would be scared shitless because this is such a college football thing to happen. Like Virginia tech is a dumpster fire in comparison to what they're usually used to like seeing. Mm-hmm. And, they have such a good team this year and to have like it all kind of blow up off of this game, which should be a relative cakewalk for them would be so college football. It's the chip Patterson. Wouldn't it be hilarious scenario? Yes. Like that's, that's exactly what this is. And I'm praying and hoping for it, but I will be happy to go down there, not get hurt, play, play better defense than if, cause if we can hold this team to under 30, yeah. That's a massive win to me. Like Okay. Think about <laughs> Robbie's getting tired. It's getting late. We got to sign off, um, but it would be a massive win to to hold them under 30 points and maybe we can do it. I'm just getting old. <laughs> <laughs> you and me both, brother. All right, that's going to do it for the podcast. Make sure you subscribe. Hit us up on Twitter. It's at 2DVT. Spotify, give us a rating if you can. It takes like one click. You can do that for us. Any of the videos you see us in on YouTube, like them. And if you haven't subscribed to the Suns, if you still think you don't like them from back in the day because Billy liked Fuente and he had a bias for Fuente, put all that in the past. They're Hokies through and through. We've worked with them long enough at this point. You can trust them. Trust, trust me and Rob. You've been listening to us for a long yeah. time. 
Give us a subscribe yeah. on the YouTube channel. There's so much good content on there. Stadium reactions, entrance videos. You'll see all the VT corner clips from College Football Monday. I post them. So, And one more thank you to McCoy's Auto for the sponsorship for the season and going into next season. We appreciate it. Till next time, go Hokies. Go Hokies.